Hello, and welcome to the Essence of Yoga podcast. I'm your host, Emily Perry. And today I have for you a clip from a workshop I taught recently at Divinity Yoga and Arts in Santa Cruz, California. The name of the workshop is The Mandala of Sequencing, and it was a three-hour workshop in which we dove into my whole perspective in sequencing a yoga class. In this podcast, you'll be getting a little clip of it. But in general, I talked about how I weave together energetic actions, asana, music, mantra, story, and more into a yoga class. So thank you so much for joining me today. Feel free to reach me at emilyperryyoga.com. And here is the mandala of sequencing. What was happening is after I started teaching is like, how do I integrate like all these parts of what I'm interested in into my teaching? Like, how do I make it a cohesive experience for people? And that's why I started coming up with this whole idea of like of having it be like a mandala or a mandala. Like, there's all these different aspects that get woven in. And um, so for me, sequencing, we will talk about postures and, and that part of it. It's gonna be like a good chunk of this, but. For me, it's also the theme, it's the music, it's the energetic actions, it's like the story, the deity, the journey that people are going on, and it's it's the asana. It's like five pieces that get woven together. And so um, that's why I wanted to share this, because it's kind of the, it took me like a lot of time to figure out how to do this. So um, I'm excited to share it. And so with teaching, um, a lot of like our intention in teaching is, is going to be what's obviously is going to show up at, in your class and so using this kind of structural approach for me I kind of had to create a little bit of a system to make it all make sense and make it accessible for me does that make sense so um, there's lots of different styles to yoga right so different style classes are going to have different structures, but for the most part, I'm still doing these same kind of um, things. I'm still um, you know, thinking about like what my storyline might be, if there's a deity or a mantra, what's the energetic actions that we're thinking about, or the channels or the chakra, what's the se- physical sequence that we're doing, what kind of music am I going to use? Like, so I'm still thinking about all these p- pieces, even if it's a restorative class, right? I am going to be kind of telling this to vinyasa flow, but you can take it into into any direction. So when we design our classes, you're designing according to your intention and that 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 piece, right? So what kind of kind of class is it? And then we'll also, and this is really important to me, is I like to teach according to what I'm cultivating in my students. Okay? So um, what are you cultivating short term for your students and long term? So, like, what's the long-term effects of what you're doing? Like, or what's the long-term goal? What are your, what's your vision for your students as students of yoga? If you're going to be practicing for 20 years, like, are you teaching to advance their practice physically, mentally, emotionally? Or are you just teaching, like, a cookie-cutter class? Which is fine, too, right? <laughs> but just, like, knowing clarity around that is, like, going to be very helpful. I mean, for many years, when I taught at the gym, I mean, that was what I was just learning how to teach a structured class 
that touched all the bases, and I didn't weave anything else into it. It was just like, right? And that was really great for a lot of people. It was actually perfectly perfect for what they needed, right? But as I started developing as a teacher, and as my vision changed for what I wanted in my own practice, I wanted my teaching to reflect that. So your, your teaching in your classes are going to reflect your values, you know, like what you value. So if you value physical fitness, then that's what your classes will reflect, right? And, it, and there's no judgment around that either. It's just, just so you have that clarity around it, it's awesome. And then also, like, you know, in terms of, okay, what are we cultivating in our students? Like, am I helping them develop a practice where they're going to be able to go into other stages of asana? Like, am I allowing them, if I'm, am I giving them the, the room to explore so they start to move into some of these more complicated asanas? And it's not that advanced asana is better than any other kind of form of asana, you know? Like, I mean, restorative is a very important practice, right? But... It's just that your edge changes as you grow as a person, and so you're giving someone a new place to go. So it's not so much that, like, you know, Pinchamanyarasana and the Scorpion is better than, you know, Bhattakonasana. I actually think Bhattakonasana is harder <laughs> for me. But it's just the fact that we're giving people somewhere to go. Like, what's next, you know? And so keeping what's next in mind is going to help you when you sequence, for sure. Because you're, you're setting patterns of alignment and mental um, focus. You're setting samskaras into the body that are going to lead to the future. Right? So if you're setting really funky habits in um, a preparatory pose for an advanced posture, when they get to that advanced posture, they're going to have to, and they can't do it because of those funky habits they've developed, right? They have to like take it all apart and start over. Which might happen anyway, but I digress. But so that does happen anyway, but there is a, that sense of, okay, what am I in general building? And there's going to be certain classes, like today's class, for those of you who took class, like I didn't do a ton of alignment. I mean, I did some alignment, but it wasn't, I can get more nitty gritty than I did even today because of the way the class kind of was going. There's a lot of people, blah, blah, blah. Like it's a smaller, it's a, each class, do allow yourself that breathing room. Like, some classes don't have to be taskmaster classes all the time. For me, anyway. Right. And then also thinking about, like, when you teach, like, you're teaching from your own direct experience. So if something is not in your practice, you generally don't want to be teaching it. Now, there's going to be people in your class sometimes who are doing things that you've never done before. And so it's good to know how to handle, like, how to support them in what they're doing, but um, I wouldn't, like, offer it as a variation necessarily, right? And then the caveat to that is, like, if, if it's a posture that you've had once in your body, but you've had an injury or you're not practicing right now because of some reason, like you had a baby or two or three or four, and then now you're kind of going back in that direction, but you know the imprint of what it feels like in your body, it's still, I think, in my book, it's okay to teach, right? Because injuries happen, things happen. Um, and that imprint doesn't leave, right? That feeling of, like, getting your foot to your head in Ekapada Raj Kapatasana, it's like, oh, that circle of energy. It's like, okay, I know that, how I got there. Maybe this month I had, like, a pull my back, yada, yada, right? Well, there's been years, and then some people have lost poses for years, and then they come back to them later, maybe, right? 
and babies will do that. Or not. <laughs> or not, right? So some of you might not experience that. Right. So um, any questions about any of that? Like, so what are you holding space for? Like what are you holding space for in your, in your, in your teaching? And then just to call, speak a little bit to, um, I'm gonna hit on like all these different parts of that mandala, but I just wanted to touch on first um, the idea of class structure, like asana structure, just plain all asana structure. So there's different ways to build a class. You can have a peak pose class, you have an arc. You might have like a really strong arc where everything's building to a peak, and your peak could be in the middle or towards the end. Usually a peak pose class actually looks a little bit more like you're building to a peak. It looks a little bit more like that, you know, where it's, that arc is actually more towards the, the last corner, maybe, for me, or the last third. You could have a class where it's more like, you know, there's, it's like a full spectrum class. There might not be a peak pose, but you, it's a full spectrum class where every posture is getting kind of the same amount of attention. Nothing is really built towards anything else. Like you're just covering all your bases. It's a great workout. You're like the for me the primary series in the Shanga Vinyasa is like a full spectrum class. It's like there's peaks in it for sure on certain days when you're like whatever, but in general it's like it's a good. Like, cover a lot of bases. There's a lot of forward folding in it, but. Um, so, that's my though, vision of it. It might not be that experience for your other students. And so, there's also multiple peaks. You can have peak, peak, peak. You can have two peaks. You can have, right? So, that varies. And usually, with a peak pose class, you are kind of structuring things towards that peak, that posture that you want to touch on. So the thing with, um, with this as well, and I always like to um, talk to students about this, is like having, if you're a newer teacher, having a back pocket class that's a full spectrum class. And by this I mean it's a class you've memorized and you can teach it when like your world is falling apart. Right? And you don't have to demonstrate any of it. You can just teach it like, boom, here it is. Right? Five A's, five B's. Like, just something you've memorized that's just a good, clear structure. And it's, it comes in really handy. And so I call that like the back pocket, like full spectrum class. And then maybe like, if you teach, tend to teach our classes, have that be an hour class, if you tend to teach hour and a half classes, like whatever your tendency to teach. Um, and it's gonna be, when you first start teaching, that would be the class that you're teaching probably all the time and you're tweaking it. And it becomes, over time, it becomes your back pocket class. So it's sort of like, you know, it took me like six months to develop mine, kind of. It was sort of like where I was teaching pretty much at every class, here and there, take out this, take out that. But for the most part, I had a structure I knew I could follow blindfolded if I had to. Um, and it's good to have like a, a variation of that, maybe like one, like a peak pose class that you could teach. Like, this is a good class, you know. And I just say that because even if you've been teaching for a long time, like if you teach enough classes a week, 
you're going to have, and I talked to the teacher trainings about this already, but you're going to have things happen. You're going to get that call right before you teach, or someone's going to get killed, or, but you have to eventually go back to teaching, or you're sick, but you're not so sick that you're contagious, but you don't even you need to really think about it, you're tired, and you're going to sleep. Like, all these things come up with teaching, and it's, um, it's good to have, a, like, something you can offer that, um, you can let roll. And what happens is, is once you start teaching it, you start to, you're fully there and it all flows and it's like, it's awesome. But like it helps you start, right? So it's like the blank page if you're a writer, like how do I start, what do I do? Or like a blank canvas, you're like, ah! So you don't freeze, ah! Does that make sense? And um, so for this whole, this whole monologue, So if you have any questions about that, so I call it like, you know, everyone's back pocket class is going to be slightly different. Mine's like a standard, it's a standard vinyasa class. Like it's, you know, you start out and then just, oh, right? Down dog, make your way up to the front of the mat, solve the CDB, three A's, three sun salutation A's, three G's, padabhisthasana, padabhisthasana, come all the way up. Triangle pose. It's, it's, it's a base, it's based on the primary series. Triangle pose. Cross three to A, cross three to C, cross three to D. Like, you know, pyramid pose. Maybe revolve triangle while we're there. I mean, like, I can, it's like, I'm not covering bases, you know. Um, and so having that is, for me, it's like, you know, really helpful. And it can be your framework that you structure everything off of. If you have something that you love in your body, that can be your framework. Right. So getting to the... Um, can I ask you first, like a, a yeah. personal habit? Um, do you, like how much do you, like say in this class that you just taught, how much do you sort of uh, deviate from whatever plan you walked in with? Or how much do you just... Uh, spontaneously bring into it? So for me, it's 95% spontaneous now. Okay. So I'll have like, Jirga, bow, forearm bounce is where I'm gonna go. Or I know I'm gonna do the knee to chest cycle. And so I wanted to talk about Eastern vinyasas, so I have like a, the way I sequence, I kind of learned a bit from Janet, and it's like, I have a keystone vinyasa that I build off of. So we repeat the same but add on to. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. And so that is, for me, it's like I have to have an idea of what my keystone is, and then it's all open. But I didn't, like, so I have many books like this. We're going to talk, this is what we're doing today. Where I did not do, I wrote down everything. Like, everything. We did it but I'd have to write it all up, you know? But we're gonna talk about that, so. Um, being comfortable with doing that is, if I know the class is gonna be like huge, like if it's a festival, or I know it's gonna be a packed class, I'm like planning like a rock star, right? Cause like the stakes are like, wow, like we're being filmed, you know? So, um, but at this point, I'm really comfortable throwing something out and starting over if I have to. So I can come into a room and be like, oh, like we're not doing that. There's no way. Or you show up with like a really sweet, mellow, chill flow. Everyone's like, 
let's go, let's go. Like everyone's like forearm balancing on their own. And you're like, dude, like we're okay, let's we're going there, you know? Because everyone's like, that's what everyone's up to. Yeah. So you're reading the room throughout the practice plan. Yeah. Thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Essence of Yoga podcast. I would love to hear from you. Please connect with me over on Facebook at facebook.com slash emilyperryyoga. And I'd love to hear about how you sequence yoga classes. Um, What inspires you? What are some of the things that you love about taking other people's classes and that you've tried to incorporate into your own if you're a yoga teacher? Again, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free also to get in touch with me over at my website, emilyperryyoga.com. Until next time, enjoy your day and namaste.